female entrepreneurs. This past week was a doozy, especially for those of us in the United States. We have just, you know, we have a new president elect. Last week was super stressful. Nobody knew what was going on, but you know, it's just really good timing for today's episode because I have on the show today, Michelle Wax, who is the founder of the American Happiness Project and who couldn't think of a better topic to jump into this morning. So let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? (sighs) I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. Everyone, I am so excited to have Michelle Wax here on the show today. I mean, she's the founder of the American Happiness Project, so why wouldn't we want to talk to her on this show, right? So, and what that is, is a movement across 50 states, you guys, focused on creating positive mindsets to drive greater happiness and fulfillment. That's amazing. And she's the founder of that. Um, Along with hosting virtual team workshops for top companies and universities throughout the USA, she also privately coaches individuals on how to rewire the brain to create more daily happiness and fulfillment, regardless of what is happening around you. Um, Everybody, that's why we're on the show, right? The Resilient Entrepreneur, because you need to be able to, you know, rewire your brain to get around the external consequences and things that are happening. So, but prior to founding the American Happiness Project, she founded and grew two companies in the food industry, which she sold in 2019. She filmed the American Happiness documentary, which I'm really excited to watch, in 2019, and is the author of The Attainable Dream. She started her first company at age 24 with $300 and takes an energetic and spirited approach to everything she does. Michelle, thank you. I'm just, I'm just so excited to talk about this project and to talk about you and what you do. Um, so thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, so just jump in. That's all we're going to do. We're just going to jump in because so tell us about, you know, that's an interesting journey to have, you know, two food-based companies and then sell those and then jump into the American Happiness Project. So tell our listeners a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and, and all that good stuff. Sure. Sure. So yeah, I started my entrepreneurial journey pretty young. When I was eight years old, I had a lemonade stand, pretty typical entrepreneurism. Awesome. Awesome. And (laughs) I always wanted, since I was at that lemonade stand, to really start a company in the food industry, specifically in the baking industry. And so after college, I was working uh, at a tech startup here in Boston and was able to start that small on the side, build it up to the point where I had a team, had great clients, Spotify, Amazon, all these great clients in Boston. Uh, started a second company alongside that, that were both in the food industry. So one was a cookie catering and events company. The other was a kitchen incubator space where we helped other small businesses start and grow their companies. So I made a lot of mistakes along the way, starting out with and was able to help share those and uh, 
really relay the mistakes I'd made. So it was, it was wonderful. Um, and I reached this point where, you know, five years in, I should have been super happy. And this was my dream, right? I'd worked really hard. I'd gone after what I wanted. I had gone through all the entrepreneur things of having the self-doubt, but keeping going anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't really understand it because my entire life I've been sold that you work hard, you get what you want, you'll be happy. Yeah, equals it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I started digging into the neuroscience of how the brain is wired, got really obsessed with that because I didn't understand why was I waking up stressed and unfulfilled if I was living my dream. And I had all these people right. coming up to me. <laughs> you know, just saying, wow, you should be super happy. And uh, I I was feeling really restless about it. And I had this idea, what if I could go to every state in America and capture how other people have created their own happiness in their own Mm -hmm. lives and set out to do it. So I filmed the American Happiness documentary last year, uh, traveled across all 50 states, three months chatting with all different types of people. And from there discovered there's a real hunger for that information out there. Because I think a lot of the times we're taught that we work hard, we achieve our dreams, we'll be happy. But we get to a certain point, you might not feel it as much as you thought you would. And so now what I do is I share this information at companies, at schools, really in virtual workshops, and then work with individuals one-on-one, like you said. Mm -hmm. So I really found my passion in doing what I was doing. It took a little while to get there, but really I'm enjoying the American Happiness Project and sharing that info. I mean, that's just amazing. And I think, you know, so you may not know this, but my company is called Create Honesty because I felt found similar to you that. I woke up one day and I was like, whoa, like, what is wrong? Like, I'm supposed to have checked all the boxes. I've done all the things. Like, shouldn't I be happy? And I realized I wasn't doing what I wanted to be doing. And that was fulfilling. You know, and I would love to hear, I don't want to do spoilers or anything from the documentary, but like, what did you find? What did you find, you know, in a nutshell from people that you interviewed? Sure. So with American Happiness, there were two themes that developed across the country. And again, like I was saying, you know, I wanted to capture people from all walks of life that had, like everyone, gone through troubling times or difficult things, right? Severe illnesses, not liking their job, uh, natural disasters, all these different types of people. And the two themes that emerged were, were the people that were truly creating happiness day in and day out were had taken the time to really take a step back and think about what they truly wanted, yeah. not what they think they should be doing. Uh, so I think, you know, a lot of us get on this path and we think that whatever we're doing is what we should be doing or it'll lead to happiness. So they had taken a step back, reevaluated that. Often it resulted in some type of shift in their life, right? When they reevaluated. So they might've uh, took a step back financially, career-wise, maybe reevaluated where they're living, their relationship status. But they took the time to do that, to actually determine what they wanted. The second theme was that they had taken the time to develop a positive mindset. And this is something I learned when digging into the neuroscience, that our brains are actually wired to skew negative, to have a negative mindset. And so they took the time to actually implement tactics and strategies into their own life to rewire the brain, like uh, what what you mentioned I do now, to really craft that positive mindset, to start looking for the opportunity, the gratitude, the good, or what they can learn in any situation. Yes. I mean, do you think that that we're wired for negative as kind of a protective mechanism? I mean, that's, you know, where we primal beings right at the core. So it's not like the cavemen were practicing gratitude and stuff. They're just trying to stay alive, right? Exactly. So yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. And it goes way back to our primal times. The outside world has changed quite a bit. 
But mm-hmm. internally, our brains are wired the exact same way as hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, th- of thousands of years ago. And so we're wired to protect ourselves, really to keep us safe, to keep us alive. Mm-hmm. And this comes across now in present day as sticking with what's familiar, sticking with what's comfortable, even if it's not what you truly want to be doing or like it's not the best for you mm-hmm. uh, long term. And so this is where we tend to get stuck or feel unfulfilled is when we're not pushing outside of our primal wiring of the brain. Yeah. I mean, and that you see that all the time, right? I think, I think maybe it was like generations before us where it was completely normalized. You're in the same job from the minute you're, you know, you turn 18 to the moment you die. Right. Mm -hmm. So, whereas, you know, I think the generations that are are recent are like, no, it's fair game. Like we're going to just, we're going to switch it up when we, but I think the key that you said is like, you need to take the time to evaluate it, right? Like you need that, that pausing moment to evaluate it. Right. And, and, and I noticed this when, cause I interviewed people from all, you know, all different ages. And when people were generally at this point above 40, I would say that they had taken time to evaluate it for themselves. And a lot of them had said that, you know, when they're growing up or even through their late thirties, they never took time to think about what actually made them happy yeah. versus people that were under 40, under 35, they generally were evaluating that a little bit more, which was amazing to see. Um, and I think there's now more potential and opportunity with the internet evolving and things like that as well to, to maybe touch or taste things that you wouldn't have otherwise. Um, but yeah, that was a common theme. Yeah. It's just really interesting. Cause I, you know, it always ama- amazes me when I ask, you know, potential clients or just, women or anyone I come into contact with really like, what do you want? And the like blank stare of the combo of like fear and like, oh shit, what do I want? What do you mean? What do I want? Is there, I have kids, I have a house, I have the stuff, like the life contracts. Like, so, I mean, what's your point of view on like, you know, all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you're like, no, enough is enough. I need to change this. Like, what do you do? Yeah, so unfortunately, it generally reaches a point where it's kind of you have to make some type of shift. It's not like little by little. It generally hits you like you were saying. So this is great because the last question I ask every single interview when I interview over 500 people now for American Happiness is what would you recommend if someone's watching this, watching this interview, and they want to be happier, they want to do something different than what they're doing, and almost unanimously, it was make a change which sounds very simple. It sounds very straightforward. It's not a lot of the time. And so just try something differently. And a lot of times we think about change as some type of action, some type of physical action, but it could also be a way of thinking or a way of feeling, you know, what's your first thought when you wake up in the morning? How are you intending to go about the day? Things like that can also be a small shift. If perhaps you can't leave your job right away, or, you know, we think of Right. The big, we think of those big, like life changing, like just quit, go in and quit your job. Like not that, but I, I love the fact that you're saying like that first moment where you wake up. I do that with a lot of clients when we plot out their ideal day. And Mm -hmm. I say like, I want to know from the minute your eyes open up, even before your feet hit the floor, what's that first thought that goes through your head? Because if it's like, oh crap, I don't want to do this shit again. Like you have a problem. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's not, that's not like, it's okay that that's not right. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's these small shifts that, you know, you'll try some new things. You might not like them as much as you thought, but it's kind of making those small tweaks over time. Eventually something will hit that then you'll be, you know, at that point where this is what I want to be doing. This is who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. The Americans I interviewed have found, you know, it might've taken a couple hits or a couple different changes. um, But 
they're living a happy and fulfilling life now. What more could you want? I mean, and that's the thing is like, you have to be, you have to be um, strategic about it and also very purposeful in it, right? Because I think we talk a lot here about infusing the joy, right? Like making sure I have clients and I have friends that I literally be like, no, 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 you need to schedule it because somewhere along the lines as adults, we stopped making joy and happiness a priority and we're all scheduled up with like the obligations, but maybe drop something fun on your calendar, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Live your life a little bit is what I always say, you know, incorporate yeah. those. what I always will ask people is, you know, what lights up your life? That isn't some grand thing, right? For me, right. it's sunshine, it's iced coffee, it's, you know, driving in my Jeep in the summertime that tops off. But yeah. it's some small things and just making sure, like I'm sure you do, you know, write them down, integrate them yeah. into your life daily because- I always think about, you know, the way you spend your days is ultimately going to be your life. So you might as well infuse that into every single part of your life and not, not be waiting for it. Yeah. I love that you said the small things because people do think that they have to be these grandiose things like, oh, I have to go on vacations and I have to, you know, do all these extravagant things. And to your point, it's not that. I mean, I would say one of my favorite things is like playing at the beach during the sunset with my kids. Like that's a pretty simple thing. Like you show up and you just be you know, and that's brings me more joy than, you know, a million other things could be doing too. So yeah, I just, I love it. So what, what's like the most, and I know you've spoken to a ton of people. So what's the kind of like one that really sticks out to you, like an individual that maybe you interview that sticks out? Oh my gosh. So there are so many incredible ones, but I would say that I met this couple in um, Friendsville, Tennessee. June and Clint, and they were living in this tiny home on a farm. They just purchased it a couple months prior. And they were kind of the typical people that they kind of had it all in Florida, where they were from, um, where they'd originally met. And it was, it was wild because all their friends, all their family said, you're crazy. You're going to be back here in two months. They really wanted that, that shift in environment. They'd always yeah. want to live on a farm and kind of slow down. Um, they're really stressed out all the time because of all the payments, the bills coming in. And they made this move that just felt right. They went more with a feeling, um, even though logically it might have not have made sense. But yeah. as soon as they made that move, it was wild because everything started lining up. They went with that feeling of this is what we're supposed to be doing. And it's crazy. Things just start lining up. Um, Clint got his dream job like two days after they bought the house. Awesome. They met all these amazing friends from the, the neighboring towns and everything. And she started teaching art in this camper they had set up that she had always wanted to do. That's amazing. And it was crazy how things lined up like that. So it's beautiful to see they had kind of gone against the norm or their friends and family, which can be very difficult uh, when the people closest to you are telling you not to do something or that you're crazy, obviously. Yeah. But it was beautiful to see. Yeah, I mean, I just... That is a very good segue because I think sometimes you have to really understand when to release something, right? So whether it is business, whether it is personal, whether it is your entire life as those guys did, I think it's just so valuable to have that example put forth to our audience because I know a lot of the entrepreneurs listening are probably, you know, potentially holding on to something for dear life and maybe they're not questioning it. So, I mean, if somebody is sitting there and they're, they are you know, those two people in Florida thinking of how do I make the leap? How do I release this? You know, what would you say to them? <sighs> I would, first of all, you know, write down a list of everything that you could gain from that change in your life. Because so often, this is actually part of neuroscience, you know, 
we can only really see what we're going to lose. We don't see the potential gain. And so really what I encourage people to do, and this is why I founded American happiness in the first spot. Cause I was in this spot myself where I was running kitchen Millie, the cookie company and local fair, right? Two businesses. I'm fairly young. I am doing well from a looking in. Yeah, exactly. My family, I love my family. They're very supportive, but they were saying, why would you walk away from this? You know, mm-hmm. you're doing well. Isn't this what you wanted? And it's very difficult. It was kind of this internal struggle that was dragged on for a while, but I would take time to really reflect on the potential gains and start crafting that positive mindset or the belief that you can actually create that. Because yeah. I think where we kind of start to retreat is we go back to that primal wiring of wanting to feel comfortable and to feel safe. And that doesn't ultimately lead to long-term happiness. You got to push past it. Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of times that people also, you know, if you are a certain way and then all of a sudden you're going to change it, you know, I always tell clients like you need to wait for those around you to up level with you and either they're going to follow you up, you know, up to the next level and kind of go to the next chapter or then that, that potentially that chapter has closed with those, that deep of a relationship. And I'm not saying that in like a disown your family type of way. I'm just saying like, you know, that they need to come with you on that journey. And I don't know if you found this too, but for my conversations that I've had with people, all it takes is like one person to do something like that. And the ripple effect has got to be amazing. Have you found that? Like when you're talking to people? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because it, it, it proves it's not this idea, this kind of fluff. It's actually tangible and it's real. Right. And people can look to you or whoever in your life has done that. And, you know, it gives this glimpse of hope that they can make that change too. And I, I think so often the things you say and the things you're doing, it might be making a bigger impact on someone than you even realize. Because that's right. happened so many times to me. Someone said one line to me, um, you know, while I'm waiting in line and it just makes this tremendous impact and they never know. They probably don't even right. remember that conversation. And so you have so much more power in these small actions and small things than um, most of us even kind of take time to realize each and every day. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had a guest on my, my friend Becca who was in line at the like DMV like getting her license renewed or something. And like the DMV worker was like, so or someone with the line with her was like, what do you have for hobbies? And she was like, what the hell's a hobby? I'm a mom. I don't, I don't have a life. And all of a sudden it like clicked and she always gives a shout out to like that random stranger because you really don't know, like you're saying, I mean, and also people are watching, like not on a creepy level, but people are always, they're watching. And I find that oftentimes they're waiting for one person to, be the first to leap to make them feel like it's possible for happiness or that they're, you know, worthy of it and that they can have it. Right. Yeah. I had a moment this past February where I think it was someone from college or high school was following me on Instagram. And I was giving this speaking event in Boston and I, you know, I was promoting it on Instagram. Of course I had my face on a billboard. So I put that on Instagram, but in the caption, I wrote every single uh, really struggle I went through in building the companies, the self-doubt I had, the financial issues I had, all these different things that kind of grounded it in reality because you see this image and yes. then it's, you know, and she reached out to me um, and I haven't talked to her in years, probably at least 10 years, if not more. And she was like, wow, this inspired me. This is what I needed to kind of start my own thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you never know. You never know no. to be vulnerable and kind of just, I think it helps to hopefully inspire others to do the same. Yeah. And I think what you did right there was you exemplified real life, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm always a big proponent of reminding people that social media is the final performance, guys. Like, you don't just, like, I don't see a lot of people. Some people sometimes are posting their complete fuck-ups on social media, but they're not necessarily doing that, right? So right. I give you kudos for, you know, posting the challenges and stuff alongside with such a big thing because it grounds people in reality, especially when they're jumping into entrepreneurship. Like, it's, mm-hmm. you got to know it's going to be hard <laughs> on yes. some levels. Yes. Um, so what would you say to kind of the entrepreneurs out there that are, or the people out there who are kind of teetering on the edge of like, I want to go in for entrepreneurship or they're, you know, maybe wanting to throw in the towel. Like, what would you say from a resilience perspective to, to help them through? I would say for the people who are just starting out, self-doubt is going to be there all the time. Um, I was at this conference and it was 6,000 people in the stadium. And the speaker asked you to stand up if you'd ever, you know, if you experience self-doubt regularly. And I was expecting, you know, I was, of course, going to stand up um, for this question. But I was expecting, you know, maybe 15% of the audience to, 95%. Yeah, exactly. And the people who were still sitting down were lying. I'm sorry. (laughs) So self-doubt is like a real, real thing, even when you're successful, right? It's just, it just is. And so if you can acknowledge that self-doubt's going to be there, just kind of sit with it. Don't let it deter you excuse me, uh, that's the number one thing that will really help. And that would have helped me a lot earlier um, in, my, in my journey. And then for those that want to give up, I've been at that point many, many times. Um, <laughs> me too. Yep. Tiny bit of, of progress. And again, this probably sounds cliche, but go back to why you started it in the first place. What mm-hmm. I have recently started doing is simplifying into three things I can do every single day that are, that's actually aligns with my goal for that 90 day span. Because I think a lot of the time we try to do all these different things or think we should be, but is it really helping you get to your goal? Whatever that is. Sometimes we don't even know what the goal is. Um, And that's what I've started to do is simplify down, get rid of all the clutter and things you don't like doing as much as you can, you know, something inevitable to do. Um, But that's what I would, would recommend is just simplify until you can't anymore. <laughs> I mean, and I think that's the thing is like, if you're setting a goal and to your point, your to-do list is like 50 deep for one day, which I, I'm guilty of doing sometimes <laughs> completely unrealistically. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, that ties directly into your happiness and your, your ability to kind of infuse the joy, because if you are more tied to those 50 things that may or may not be income producing activities or IPAs, as, as my friend Mary calls them, right? Like, maybe they aren't worth doing. And maybe that's what's causing that emotional, like I want to throw in the towel crap, right? Right. And I think sometimes I'm guilty of this myself, but we're, we are making progress, but sometimes it doesn't seem like it. Cause I, right. in my research, I found we have up to 60,000 thoughts per day. So things are coming and going all the time. And what I've started doing is also tracking my progress for that day. Even if it seems really small, because we get, we tend to forget like how much we've done. And right. I don't know about you, but I feel like my brain moves very quickly. So like yes. two days goes by, I feel like it's been two weeks. And so to yeah. kind of build down and make sure I'm tracking that, then you can go back and be like, no, I actually, I'm making good progress uh, on this is really helpful too. Yeah. That's one of the first things I have when, whenever I have a client that says like, oh, I'm so lazy or, oh, I didn't get anything done today. And I was like, I'm like, prove it. Cause I call bullshit. Like, you know, write it down and track it for even two days. And I mean, track it all. Not just like, oh, did I email a work contact? No, I mean, all of the things, life and work together, because I think people don't take all of it into account together, <laughs> like integrated. 
Yeah, my brother started doing that. He's not even an entrepreneur. He, he works uh, at a company, but he started tracking a little bit of progress mm -hmm. every day. And he would write down if he got a haircut, that's progress. Exactly. And so those small life things are, are good too. Oh, that haircut is progress. Amen to him. Like agreed, especially in COVID, haircut is 100% progress. <laughs> so, I mean, so what made you kind of, you know, what made you decide to kind of like ultimately pull the trigger with the happiness project and go forward with that and, and sell your companies? What was that like pivotal moment like? Yeah. So I was fortunate enough where I built up a team. I read four hour work week a couple years ago um, and I started to implement systems and a team in place because I felt myself feeling like I don't want to be doing this anymore. I got to remove myself from it as much as possible, right. but he was doing well. So I wanted to continue that anyway. So I implemented a team and luckily they were amazing people that I could travel the country and the, the company was still running. The companies, both of them were still running as I traveled and filmed the documentary. And I thought, you know, this is kind of a project. I'll come back and I will continue on with my life. You know, I didn't really have that definitive moment, but I came back from Boston. And again, I mentioned this earlier, but it was this internal struggle because everyone else is telling you it's doing well, but I feel this kind of fanciness yeah. in my soul. And, um, and I had this incredible experience, of course, traveling, interviewing uh, hundreds of people. And I was uh, at my gym in a yoga class. And it was in Savasana, and we're lying there. And I just had this, like, over – I started crying. I had this overwhelming moment where I was like, I need to sell the companies. I need to move on from this um, no matter what. You know, maybe it's yeah. not the most financial, logically, but ended up selling them so it was. But um, that was the moment. Uh, and it was kind of like – it sounds simple, but it was this shift in mindset where I was like, you know, I can do this. This is who I truly um, want to be at this point. Um, right. And so that was, that was the moment. And then of course started, you know, getting into all the more logistical aspects of selling the companies and starting to get the word out about the workshops and speaking and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but oftentimes that's how it happens, right? I think people, people forget that when you slow down and when you give yourself that moment, that's when the brilliance kind of shows up or is allowed to show up because you're not running so fast. So, I mean, it's not surprising. I mean, also, you know, yoga, svasana, all that stuff has amazing impacts on your brain. Um, so, I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. And I can imagine that also, I mean, there's no way that couldn't have changed your life speaking to that many people from all different walks. There's just no way. There's no way. And I, I felt this, I, I felt this before the documentary, but I felt it even stronger after and even in current times, even more so because I feel like what gets highlighted is a lot of negativity um, out there in the world. And there's so much good. And, you know, right. most people in this country are just trying to be happy. They might have different beliefs or different, you know, circumstances, but really that's what people are trying to do. And I wanted to focus on that more. Um, and I really was so moved by all these different people, so generous all across the country. Like I myself would go into a small town in Iowa, kind of having, you know, a uh, stereotypical view of that situation, perhaps. Yeah. And I was just floored at the community there, how everyone was so generous and kind. And uh, it was just beautiful time and time again, all across the country. And so... Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't hold it in anymore, I guess. When, when we <laughs> see the show I'm like, okay, it's time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and I think, I think when it comes to kind of the entrepreneurial spirit and the communities in which these entrepreneurs are based, I think we've seen some really amazing things happen during COVID. I mean, it's very unfortunate some have had to close their doors, but mm -hmm. on the flip side of that, our community is just rallying around these businesses. And that itself, I feel like, is the strength of small businesses. Period. 
Yes, absolutely. And I, I still know a good amount of people in the food industry here in Boston. And it's been amazing to see the the quickness to really adapt to the yes. situation and people have just risen to the occasion to support them. Yeah. Uh, my, my brother and I'm mentioning him a lot with the haircut, but you know, he's buying takeout all the time and getting delivery and he you now can credit it to just supporting local business, which I love that. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> and let's hope that sticks, right? I think yeah. a lot of people in the past, you know, six, whatever months have had these kind of epiphanies mm-hmm. of either, you know, they fall in the like life's too short. I need to live my life type of category or want to bring the happiness back. And I, I just hope it sticks because I think it's a pretty beautiful thing to, to watch. Um, any other kind of final like or little last tidbits that you can, you know, share with us either from the study or from your journey as an entrepreneur or just really anything. Cause I think you're brilliant. So I would love to hear it. <laughs> yeah. So when I do the workshops at companies, obviously the two things we've been hearing, especially in COVID times is people are feeling really stressed and really low energy. And they're actually tied hand in hand because of that fight or flight response back to our primal days. Often that gets triggered in our minds by, you know, a worrisome news article or a stressful email or something like that. And what we've been seeing is that if you start to release stress in small ways during breathing or maybe going for a walk or meditation, whatever it is, your energy levels are going to go up as well. You're not just going to release stress. And so I'd recommend if you are feeling low energy stress, just kind of down, making sure that you're incorporating some of that into your ideally morning routine. So you're starting your day off right. Um, Because what we found throughout the country is that really people who start their day off proactively, not on their phones, because that drains you automatically, your power, um, start it proactively on your own terms. That's really a great way to set up your day, no matter if you're an entrepreneur or just out in life. Um, So that's been really, really powerful and probably the most common habit that we saw. Yeah. I mean, we're, we are big fans of habits for success here and habit stacking and all of, all of the things that have to do with that. Because I think when you start to your point, when you start it in a reactive mode, your whole day is reactive. And I mean, if, if your first thing to do is reach for a phone and put it to your face, like you are giving your power to something else when you haven't even removed yourself from the bed yet, which is kind of, kind of scary, but so many people do it. Um, And I I guess the, the last theme really that um, we've kind of been leading up to, but it was said time and time again, hundreds and hundreds of times, is that happiness is a choice. So it's not just going to magically arrive, which is what I was taught. You know, you reach a certain point in life. Exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Like Prince Charming's coming. Yeah. Like all the things. Yep. You have to choose it every single day and it is possible to do. It just takes consistent effort. So. Yeah. And I think not not having this kind of fairy tale mentality that everything is always sunshines and rainbows and roses, right? Like I was listening to a podcast earlier today that talked about like winters always come period, like, but they always also end. So, you know, even if something is negative, you can choose your, your approach to it. You can choose your mindset towards it and know that, you know, it's yin and yang. One has to follow the other, right? Right. And I, I think because my happiness, it can be seen as a very fluffy word. And most people think I'm happy all the time, this positive, bubbly person all the time. But it's like, no, I have self-doubt. You know, I have the negative. Yeah, of course. But I know the strategies to get myself out of that state a lot quicker than most people yeah. that spiral into it. And that's really the difference. Because, of course, like you said, stressful things are going to come up, unfortunate things, things that don't go as planned. But it's how your brain is really internally processing it and going from there. And I think, again, that's, that's why we've seen so like a very different dichotomy in businesses and how they've shifted during COVID. 
Um, you know, and it's people who I've seen who are stuck. They just can't, you know, they're so overcome with grief, which just breaks my heart that they can't pivot, you know, and they can't adjust their businesses or their lives. But I think it's a practice too, right? Like it's not something that all of a sudden you can wake up because you're in complete chaos with COVID and be like, I'm going to be happy from now on. Like I have a different mindset today. Like it's, it's little by little, a little makes a lot, right? Right. And I learned too that often that 180 switch from negative thinking to positive, it actually is worse for your brain because you're losing trust within yourself. So it's better to go to a spot of neutral thinking um, at that point. So an example, neutral thought, if you're really thinking, you know, everything's such a mess, I'm so stressed, is that I can handle whatever comes my way. Things like that that aren't, you know, this crazy 180 of positivity, but it's a more neutral um, thought process has really helped me and been shown to help a lot of other people too. Yeah. And I think it keeps you out of black and white thinking because we live in gray, right? As human beings, that's where we live. Right? <laughs> it's like, I wish it was as easy to be like, this is black and white and everything is super clean, but it's often not. So I would imagine that having kind of that neutral step in between is extremely valuable, like you said. So, well, I mean, tell, tell people where they can find you and all that good stuff and any promotions you have going, because I think you're lovely and more people need to, to consume your content. Absolutely. Of course, of course. So yeah, so our website is American-happiness.com. So that will have all the information on Instagram or on Facebook, we're American Happiness Project. And really what we do is we have a bunch of free resources up there, trailer for the documentary, uh, snippets from the documentary. But I would love to connect with you guys. And if you have any, you know, questions, anything I can help with, I've gone through kind of like a whole bunch of entrepreneurial things. So I always love talking with people that are starting out or somewhere along that journey. Yeah. And I'd love to connect. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and for those of you in the surviving entrepreneurship community, if you are not there, get in there. Cause I don't know why you're not. It's amazing. Um, Michelle is very graciously giving us 20% off of, you know, the online store and, you know, you can get some really good stuff. So I'll be dropping the, her coupon code in there for you and be sure to take advantage of it because why not? Why not get some happiness swag, right? <laughs> yes. I mentioned this at the beginning, but if you are working at a company now and you need any virtual mental wellness workshops, I do a bunch of those as well as individual yeah. things too. So that's been great because I feel like sometimes mental health can be this kind of draining concept or, you know, it's getting better, but still is that stigma attached to it. So I try to bring energy and positivity to build that positive mindset. Love it. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. You're exactly right. It does come, it comes with kind of the baggage and then you enter into a corporate setting and it's like, shut it off and it doesn't shut off. So it's great that you're doing, doing that and collaborating. So again, guys, if you are in a, if you are in a company or you know somebody in a company who needs a workshop to kind of infuse that little happiness or, you know, deal with the mental health, reach out to Michelle because she's awesome. So, and thank you again for coming on. I was really excited for this conversation and it did not disappoint. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. So let's unpack all of that a little bit because the research is just so interesting to me. And there's one point in particular I want to drive home. You know, as Michelle said, it's not like you have to make this huge uprooting your life move for happiness, but it does require somewhat of a change. And, you know, you have to kind of have some faith that in making it, you will move yourself closer to happiness. And whatever that definition of happiness is 
for you, not for your neighbor, not for somebody you know else in your life, but understanding what happiness means for you and you know finding it, seeking it out. You always hear me talk about seeking out the joy, but as she said, you know, it's it's that cup of coffee, it's that sunny day, it's you know, the little things in life that can bring us joy, and when we can no longer see those, that is when there's truly a problem. So then you have to make a change and don't be afraid to do just that. And on the next episode, I am excited to welcome my friend, Julia Becker Collins to the show. Julia is the COO of Vision Advertising, which is a hundred percent women-owned full service marketing agency. Not only that, but she is an endurance athlete and wait for it, currently in treatment for thyroid cancer. Talk about a powerhouse of a woman and she is coming to share her secrets with us so you won't wanna miss it. And as always, if you love this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, download, rate and review and you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life? Right guys, see you later.